Hey there, welcome to Matamo, a podcast where we explore with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries and celebration of the human experience. I'm your co-host, Bob Spurl, here in Chicago, alongside, well, virtually alongside, uh, Greg, uh, Greg Traverso out in Stockton, California. Hey, nice Bob. To, nice to be with you, Greg. Hey, good. You great to see you, too. I'm doing well, man. Yeah. I'm excited today he, he, about our guest. It, his name is Man Aliagut. Man is uh, is a Kuwaiti American. Um, he's a diplomat's son. We'll get more into that. Uh, who's traveled the world? Uh, lived in Kuwait. Grew up in Kuwait. Uh, for those unfamiliar, it's a tiny country surrounded by a lot of major Middle Eastern countries. Um, he came here to study in the U.S. Uh, in California. Uh, in, in his own words, America caught his caught him in the middle, and and he immigrated to the U.S. and has been here. Uh, you know. Uh, been here, raised a family. He's got two daughters, um, and and here we are. So, Mon, we're really excited to d- dive in. You've got a really incredible background and story, and I guess kind of for starters, um, let's let's kind of let's sort of start at this place, right? Your first impression of America. So, we, we in our show we talk a lot about travel, uh, traveling to new places uh, for folks, but for you, you know. America was a new place, right? You know, so what was your first impression of America when you first arrived here? And what was that like for you? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for hosting me and I appreciate the invitation. Uh, you know, coming from uh, Kuwait, the size of uh, maybe New Jersey, uh, size-wise, and then coming to America, the first thing, catches your eyes, the, the distances and the size of this nation mm. and the, the diversities and the, the mountains and the valleys and the rivers and oceans. So uh, really, you cannot summarize it in a few words. It's just a big country, um, beautiful country, and, uh, um, and it just... Uh, my first impression is, uh, you know, this, you know, the sky's the limit, and mm. uh, you know, at, at the at the beginning, because I I was going to school and um, meeting uh, different people from uh, the the initial the initial arrival was uh, interesting because uh, you have so many people uh, going to school from different countries from South South America. Uh, Asia and uh, Europe, and uh, and the impression was uh, this is a country that is different than the rest of the world, actually, because I traveled and I can do that comparison, at least for me. <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of the observations or cultural differences that maybe surprised you? Um, whether it's, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the different backgrounds, but was there anything that was surprising or humorous or, you know, what are some of those initial impressions? Well, you know, the, the, you know, uh, let me, let me start with saying how, you know, most Middle Easterns or most of the people who live in the Middle East live in small communities and uh, the social uh, uh, units are so strong that, uh, Everybody is watching you. You come here and nobody's watching you. You're on your own. 
you make your own decisions. Um, you get nice, you know, you get a, a nice advice here and there. But uh, I noticed that, and and that was uh, for me personally, maybe because of my background, was very liberating uh, because I make the decisions. Um, speaking of funny moments, uh, I, I remember uh, because I got my scholarship. Uh, I got it from United Arab Emirates because my father was the Kuwaiti ambassador to Abu Dhabi in, in Emirates. So Emirates sent me to, uh, gave me a scholarship to go to uh, university in Humboldt. The reason I came to Humboldt was because the U.S. ambassador uh, to Abu Dhabi was, uh, forgot his last name was Albright, I believe, and and he was from Eureka, and he said, which state would you like to go to? And I said, well, you know, I'd like to go to California, where all the girls are. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he said, would you like to go to a small town or a, or a big town? And I said, uh, you, know, I, you know, I always like going to small towns and because, uh, you know, I lived in England in a small town, and I lived uh, in Kuwait in a small uh, place and mm -hmm. so I ended up in Humboldt. So when I came to the states, I arrived in Washington D.C. Uh, and an embassy car supposed to arrive and pick me up, but nobody showed up. So uh, uh, I ended up taking a taxi and heading to uh, a hotel next to the embassy of the United Arab Emirates. It was about five o'clock in the morning, and it was. I was hungry, jet lagged and everything. And, you know, here I am, a, a Kuwaiti student. I'm 19 years old. And I was hungry. So I went to the restaurant and, you know, as, you know, growing up as a Muslim, uh, Arab, Kuwaiti, we're not supposed to eat uh, pork. So I went to the restaurant and then I opened the menu and I, I said, okay, I can eat anything but pork. So I looked down the menu and I found bacon and eggs. And I said, well, you know, uh, let me try that thing. <laughs> so I tried bacon and eggs and I'm going, man, this is good. <laughs> oh, gee. Uh, yeah, and I'm crying, you know, I'm going, how come they don't have that stuff in Kuwait? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and... Uh, Anyhow, it passed, and then some, some students later on came in later flights from United Arab Emirates, and uh, when I met them, and I said, hi, guys, how you doing? Uh, by the way, there's this good breakfast. It's called bacon and eggs. Everybody <laughs> went and ate bacon and eggs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and uh, that was one of the funny moments uh, you know, when you just arrived to the U.S., yeah. If, oh, my gosh. Yeah, this just, you know, there must be so much just to get used to. And, like, and you're seeing yeah. this wild country, no one following you or looking, you know, just being free and yeah. experiencing that in a different way. And, and so, it's tough. It's not that easy. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I bet. And it's difficult. Yeah. And so what, hey, what was your life like growing up in Kuwait? I mean, you know, I 
trying to picture what that what that's like. Obviously, from a small community, you said, uh, you know, did you travel much? What what was your life like growing up until you came to the U.S.? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about. We're t- I was, you know, I was born in 1961, and then when I started. Uh, uh, kindergarten and, and, and first grade it was like in 1966 or so. And back then Kuwait is uh, a population of maybe 300,000 with uh, with oil booming and uh, lots of foreigners. And when I say foreigners, I mean other Arabs from other Arab countries like Egypt, Syria, Palestine, like half a million, uh, India, uh, Europeans. Uh, and so as, as Kuwaitis, we were minorities and, and we grew up in a systematic uh, 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 system, you know, going to school. Uh, I grew up between two homes My, uh, when I was six years old. Uh, I mean, six months old, pardon me. Uh, uh, my my mom and my father went separate ways and they, uh, you know, they had their own families. So, uh, you know, I was going from uh, grandma to moms to, and my father was already in Iran as his first uh, post as a diplomat, as a third secretary back then. So I grew up uh, in Kuwait until I, reached the the high school and uh, well before that you know I started going to uh, when I was 10 years old I went to France to see my dad and start seeing the rest of the world at at that age which was very interesting to me and and then and then I traveled uh, to see him in other countries but to go back a little bit uh, by the age of uh, 15, which about to enter high school, secondary, they call it secondary school over there. Uh, every summer I went to uh, a boarding school uh, in uh, England, uh, south of London, in a place called Crowborough, uh, next to Timber Dwells, beautiful little town. This is when I started to uh, believe there is somewhere else other than Kuwait. And uh, I get I get attracted to the idea of feeling free, uh, mind-wise. Uh, and, and that's important. That's I'm not talking about freedom of other, other kind, I'm talking about f- freeing your mind. So, uh, and this is when I was thinking about uh, uh, after Europe, I just said, I must see America. And what this is when uh, I, I just wanted to finish high school and get good grades and go to America. And, and uh, that's, I don't know if I answered all the questions, but that was pretty much, uh, you know, and I joined my father uh, later on where he went uh, uh, few weeks here, a few weeks there, and uh, but didn't spend that much time with them. So, so, so Man, so you, 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 you get this desire to come to America and you're, you're actually able to. So 
you know, Greg and I born and raised here, Greg's traveled the world. I've traveled a bit, but you know, of all the places you decide to come, you, you end up in, in Humboldt County, you know, Humboldt country in the, in the far Northwest of California. Right. Uh, and the Redwood belt, it, it's not maybe the typical place you might expect somebody <laughs> coming <laughs> from a different country. So that's interesting, you know, as an American thinking, this is the, this is your experience. So, um, what did you most like about it up there? And, 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 you know, maybe how did you compare it to where you grew up? So let's, let's kind of take, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, opposite attracts, uh, I, I came from the desert flats hmm. country, big city, uh, uh, but they always say, like, when you're born at a certain uh, level, like a sea, sea level, you always like to be around the ocean. Uh, so I, uh, Humboldt to me is, uh, I tried to escape Humboldt a few times. I couldn't. Uh, uh, I love the moist the moisture in there. I love that terrain. I love the redwoods. Um, I sometimes I paint when I was young. I used to paint uh, because in Kuwait you lack the the, the sceneries of nature. You only have a city by the water. Period, and people escape in the springtime to go to the desert and camp in tents just to go back to the old days. But I always drew like a little barn and little mountains uh, with, with lots of clouds and birds and, and a little lake. And I ended up here uh, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, this is my home. Uh, this is where my kids were uh, born and, and, uh, grown. So you went, to, you went to college, right? In Humboldt. Is that way? Yes, yes. Yeah. I went to, I went to Humboldt state university, which is a California state university. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it took me a while to finish, but, uh, I, it doesn't, it doesn't say how many years <laughs> on my certificate. So I'm good with that. I think Greg remembers, uh, I left in 1990, uh, and I didn't finish college. Uh, and then I came back, and we let that go to the next. Uh, yeah, well, tell so so. Well, first of all, I'm curious, what was your parents' reaction, and when you wanted to study in the U.S.? Oh, the you know my uh, my father. Uh, the one who got me the scholarship from mm -hmm. from the president of uh, United Arab Emirates because I was I was an Emirates uh, in 1979-1990 school year and uh, because Kuwait back then was uh, was the the, the lighthouse the beacon of, of the Gulf region uh, was the first country in art, literature, and uh, education, and uh, uh, plays, uh, theat theatrical plays, and, and uh, 
sports. Uh, Kuwait was the first country to go to the World Cup uh, from Asia as an Arab country in 1980. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the books of Kuwait, uh, the, the the curriculum used to be sent to Emirates. So out of uh, out of thank you, the president of United Arab Emirates. Uh, uh, Sheikh Zayed bin Nehayan told my father that uh, I will, uh, I'll be happy to give your son uh, the scholarship to go to any country he wants. Mm. And I wanted to go to the States, and my father supported that. and uh, was fine. And then later on, Kuwait, uh, I got switched to Kuwait uh, scholarship because they said you're a Kuwaiti citizen. We don't want anybody to make favors. Although Emirates did not make any favors, they were good brothers and sisters. And uh, my mom, uh, uh, she was okay, but being away from her, uh, that bothered her and uh, still bothers her until this minute. <laughs> that, that's a universal thing, right? Some parents, yeah, it's yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, thankfully, I, I was able to go to Kuwait uh, prior to COVID-19, so I, I was able to see her and and now with the with the little technology we have, we can see each other all the time. So, so in 1990, you're studying, you made a decision to leave uh, Humboldt and return to Kuwait City. Um, and for those uh, familiar with the history, August 4th is really pretty pretty horrific, tragic day in the Chronicles of History. So um, let's... Let's fast forward to, or take a step back, uh, right, uh, to August 4th, 1990. Uh, where were you that day? And and what yeah. was it like for you? Set the scene for us. Yeah, uh, actually it was August 2nd on a Thursday. Uh, that's the invasion of Kuwait, uh, August 2nd. And uh, it was, it was uh, on a, I went to Kuwait, uh, just to uh, prior to that, just few few months before that, I left, and I think Greg was with me uh, <laughs> on February before I left to Kuwait, February 1990, and uh, went to Kuwait, and then um, I looked for a job in Kuwait, and I got a job as a material officer at uh, the petrochemical uh, plant south of Kuwait City for sulfur and other materials. But I wasn't satisfied uh, because there's something inside me that said I didn't finish, didn't finish college, didn't finish. So my father was in uh, Islamabad, Pakistan. He was the Kuwaiti ambassador there. So I decided to go and see him and quit my job and went there. That was in May of 1990, just a few months before the invasion. So I went there, stayed there for a month, and then my father and my uh, uh, and his wife uh, and my sisters, I have three sisters from that side, from my father's side, they like to spend their vacation in Italy because my father was an ambassador there prior to that. So they decided to go to Italy, and they told me to go with them to watch, especially it was 1990, the World Cup soccer in Italy. 
And I decided to go to Kuwait and watch the World Cup in Kuwait over the television with friends, old friends. And, you know, I didn't want to go to Italy with them. So they went to Italy. I stayed in Kuwait. And then on Wednesday, August 1st, one day before the invasion of Kuwait, I was uh, at my mom's house, and I have two sisters there. And with the younger daughter, uh, with the younger sister, her name is Neda, uh, I told Neda, would you like to watch uh, uh, a movie? It was by James Garner, I believe. And it was about D-Day. I forgot the name of the movie, but it was James Garner as a journalist. And she goes, you know what? I, I don't like war movies. And I said, well, no, this is great. You know, he's a, he's a great actor and the story, you know, has history. And we stayed up until like about two o'clock after mid, uh, midnight, which was August 2nd. Mm. She went to her bed. I went to sleep. Seven o'clock, my mom comes to the room, knocking on the door, opens the door, and she goes, man, I don't know what's going on, but look at the TV. The emir of Kuwait is speaking about Kuwait has been invaded. And I will never forget that day. Um, there was no transmission except those, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? vertical colors on TV, and you can you can hear the the the, the voice of uh, Amir Jabir al Ahmed al Sabah uh, saying that the country has been um, overtaken and has been raped and it's uh, fires everywhere. And then I I ran outside and I look and. There, is, there are people outside, 7 o'clock in the morning, people panicking. And a few, few hours later, we can hear that noise. There are tanks right there on the highway. Now, you know, uh, when you grow up in Kuwait, Kuwait is not a, it's not a military country. It's, it's a civil nation, little tiny countries. You barely see police. Uh, you see police for traffic, you know. But there are tanks. And the tanks uh, carry a flag uh, that is not a Kuwaiti flag, and that's an Iraqi flag. And uh, the shock was, uh, you know, you try to find explanation to what is happening because how could an Arab country, a neighboring country that we have supported when they were fighting Iran for eight years, Kuwait paid $60 billion to sustain Iraq against Iran. And that was not a good diploma, uh, diplomacy anyhow, but, but, uh, but we put this behind. And, um, now you start seeing tanks and you see people, um, you know, just looking at each other. We didn't know what's happening. It took about, took about a day, like maybe 
maybe later that evening, we start to know uh, we don't have television. We have we have radio, and we start to know that Iraq invaded Kuwait, and. Uh, uh, took some time to understand that shock because you know I, this is crazy. This is crazy, and uh, uh, but we remained for the first maybe three, four days, five days, maybe a week. We remained certain that the Iraqis will leave Kuwait. The, this this is impossible. You know, uh, this is 1990. Yeah, there's no way a country can invade another country. The world is watching. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it continued. Uh, and uh, it was, there was days that I will never forget. Um, days became weeks, became months. Became months. Seven months, it. right? Yeah. Months, yeah, yeah. <sighs> man. And I stayed in Kuwait uh, the entire time. Uh, I've seen the bad and ugly. Uh, I've seen the the ruthless and, and, and the, the violence, mm. and I've seen good Iraqis and or soldiers. I've mm. seen them, uh, and uh, some of them even helped me. Uh, some of them, they said, you know, every time I pass trying to get food, and they say, we're sorry. I'm sorry. I cannot even pray five days, uh, five times a day, because my prayer is not accepted, uh, accepted because of what I've done. Mm. But, you know, uh, they were forced. Uh, I understand that. But uh, some of them not forced. Uh, they're part of the regime of the Ba'ath Party. But I stayed there until about the 23rd of uh, November. I believe it was Thanksgiving, and George Bush was with the troops in Dahran, in Saudi Arabia. And this is when I uh, was able to leave. Man. Yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, it's, I mean, life changing. I can only imagine. Um, you know, I, it'd be, uh, I'd love to pick up from there because I got to believe that's one of those, you know, we talk a lot on our podcast here about transformative moments and, you know, we're typically talking about it in the context of travel and these life-changing experience, but this is, this is the definition of transformative, right? I mean, it, yes. <laughs> it is that for, for many different reasons. Um, yeah, maybe, Mon, yeah. you know, if we could get you to, you know, come back one time or at least at least once more and kind of pick up from this point on in the, in the yeah. traveling or the uh, circumstances that you were able to leave Kuwait and, and where you went and what happened after that. That, that would be great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah.